See, our view is if I don't fight for it, I don't get anything. The scriptural view of it is unless you are gentle, you don't get anything. Unless you lay aside your own inappropriate, sinful forcefulness, you will accomplish nothing. You will inherit nothing. Because the promise here is an assured inheritance. They shall inherit. It's future tense, yes. It looks to the coming of Christ and establishing his earthly kingdom and then on into the eternal state, all that we will inherit as a result of being within his kingdom. And it is absolutely assured for the gentle. Hello and welcome again to Grace Maryville Weekly, which is a podcast ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. The sermon you are about to hear is a part of a sermon series presented by Pastor Chris Reiser from the book of Matthew. Pastor Chris has sought to demonstrate that Jesus is the King, which is the overall theme of the book of Matthew. It is our goal to provide messages on Monday and Friday, weekly from the pulpit at Grace Community Church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and to call everyone to repent and believe. Let's listen now as Pastor Chris works exegetically through the text. We were built to find our pleasure in pursuing Him as we set aside sin, as we pursue what God desires to take my yokes as Christ, for I'm gentle. I'm going to use that properly on you so that you can then properly accomplish my work. He is never going to abuse us, as it were, with his yoke. He can't. And so this morning, if, if you're feeling like the yoke of Christ is a little harsh, which it is easy to do at times, Lord, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem tender to me. This doesn't seem gentle. Because remember, we're talking about the fullness of Christian experience when loved ones dies, die, when sickness strikes, when, when extremely difficult things happen. Yet still, this is God's gentle hand. It is the right amount of force. It is never too much, even though it often can feel that way. That's why you have to take a hold of these principles of Scripture so that you know and understand God's gentleness, and then you can choose, you can live in a similar manner reflecting the gentleness of your Savior. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And then we have the God of the gentle entrance, the God of the gentle entrance. In Matthew 21.5, a quote from Zechariah 9.9, speaking of how the Messiah will come. He says this, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Although Christ will come in judgment at ruling power in His second coming, He first came to His people in humble gentleness, caring for their knees and paying for their sins. So even in Christ's first coming, as he, as he comes underneath the yoke, as it were, He allows Himself to be, to be crucified by the very people He created. He comes gentle. The, in, in His first coming, the proper amount of force. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't get crucified by accident. He, didn't somehow, he wasn't somehow too meek or too mild, and so they took advantage of Him. No, this was always the plan, and it certainly was not the Jewish expectation. And it's hard for us to to wrap our minds around how a Jew would be viewing these Beatitudes, how how the Jewish people would be stunned by what Jesus was saying. Poor in spirit was foreign to them because they were proud in spirit. They were Jews. They were in the kingdom. And he said, this this is now we get in the kingdom. We're already in it. And in fact, everyone else needs to yield to us in order to get in the kingdom. So that that would have been uh, totally misunderstood and, and amazing to them. 
The idea of mourning over sin. The Jews thought they were righteous, the vast majority of them. Again, we're God's people. We have the law. We don't mourn over sin. We mourn over the fact that everyone else isn't as good as we are. And then this one especially, the idea that gentleness would cause the earth to be conquered, because that's the idea. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. They will conquer the earth, as it were. They will be the ones who are the recipients of all of of the kingdom blessings. The Jews would be saying, that doesn't come through gentleness. That comes through force. We have the Roman Empire who's forcing us into submission. We will throw off that yoke, and that's what the Messiah is supposed to do. He's not the God of the gentle coming. He's the God of the forceful coming. We demand that he come and deliver us from Rome. And and we see the seeds of the Jews turning away, God's people turning away from him, sowed in his very first sermon, or at least the one that we see laid out for us. You can imagine the zealots in the audience. You, You remember the zealots. Jesus had one of them as his own disciple. Those who thought that, that the way that they would deal with Rome is by, by putting together a, a resistance and then, over, and then overthrowing by revolt the Roman government. And that movement was building right as Jesus came. It kind of culminated in, in uh, AD 70. And you might understand what happened after that. They, the zealots grew and grew. They became kind of the dominant force in Judaism. They were seeking to overthrow the Roman Empire, and Emperor Titus comes and absolutely wipes them out. Millions killed as he destroys Jerusalem, breaks down the temple, and leaves it in rubble. That's what their attempt to overthrow the Roman Empire got them. Well, Jesus came as the, in, in his gentle coming, the gentle entrance, because this was the right amount of force for that time the force which yielded at that time to the Roman rulers and to the Jewish rulers yielding and yet conquering in that yielding by coming underneath, by being the God who allowed himself to be crucified, he did in fact conquer sin and death and hell and every earthly ruler and all of the sin that comes against us by others. He conquered it all in his gentle entrance. But MacArthur says this of, the Jewish mindset, you cannot win victories while mourning, and you certainly cannot conquer Rome with meekness. And in spite of his miracles and all of his ministry, the people never really believed in him as a Messiah because he failed to act in military or miracle power against Rome. In whatever various ways groups of people expected the Messiah to come, they did not anticipate his coming humbly and meekly. Yet these were the very attitudes that Jesus, the one whom John the Baptist had announced as a Messiah, was both teaching and practicing. The idea of a meek Messiah leading meek people was far from any of their concepts of the Messianic kingdom. The Jews understood military power and miracle power. They even understood the power of compromise, as as unpopular as it was. But they did not understand the power of meekness, a true power under control, directing the, the power of God in proper ways, with a humble, gentle heart, which enables one to fully accomplish his work. Well, that is the meekness of God. Let's look at our meekness, the characteristics of our gentleness. If we are going to live within the kingdom in this beatitude, if we are going to receive the blessedness that God desires, how are we going to do that? Well, first, we're going to have to have a humble reception. You see, we are in need of gentleness of heart, which does not fight against the truth of Scripture as it comes to assault our cold and sinful hearts. So we start internal, certainly. And this is an attitude of the heart, this gentleness. James 1.12 uses the word gentleness, the same word that is used here in this verse. It says, therefore, James 1.21, putting aside all filthiness 
and all that remains of wickedness in humility, in meekness. Receive the word implanted which is able to save your soul. And what does he mean? It's, it's very similar to James 1.19 where he, where he says, uh, you were to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear what? Quick to hear the word of God. Slow to speak against it. Slow to anger. The forcefulness of heart which says, I will not be conquered by God. I will not allow his word to direct me. I will exert my own will so that I will accomplish the things I want in my own life, and I will not yield. It's the exact opposite of the way you enter the kingdom and the way you live within the kingdom. Your will must be yielded to the Lord. Your will must come underneath the will of the one who died for you and who gives you his word. It is that kind of humility, that kind of meekness that we're talking about here. That you come underneath, that you take your will and subjugate it by his grace to the will of God as it is displayed, as it is received in Scripture. In humility, in meekness, we receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. The word does not implant in a heart that refuses to be directed by it. This is true to enter into the kingdom. We must have this kind of meekness. There is a humility and a humble spirit that enables us to listen rightly to the word of God and understand and receive it. And that is absolutely impossible when our will has not been yielded, which is why, as we discussed before, that the work of God within the heart is necessary for any of this to even happen. How can you have a meek spirit, a humble spirit, a gentle spirit towards the Word of God, unless the Spirit of God has not impacted your heart? We call it regeneration, where He changes the heart so that you might have this kind of spirit and be able to enter into His kingdom. You see, in our flesh, we always desire to bring glory to ourselves in accomplishing the work that we desire. We want others to see our greatness and give us credit for who we are and what we've done. A true meekness desires that God receive all of the glory and comes underneath his will then so that he might be the one who is honored and exalted. A meekness of spirit. So there is a humble reception. That is a, a meek and gentle reception of the word of God that is absolutely necessary to enter into the kingdom and then is necessary for ongoing growth. And you have experienced this battle, have you not? When you hear the word of God and it's assaulting your sin, it's assaulting your, your rebellion against him, even as a believer, and there's that battle of heart. I will not yield. I know I'm supposed to come underneath my parents and respect them and honor them and stop talking back against them and stop trying to get my own agenda accomplished in the home. I know that, but I don't want to do that. Gentleness of heart says I will yield. I will come underneath what God desires for me a proper meekness so that you might accomplish his work. There are those of you here who, who wrestle to yield to authorities over you. And you, you struggle with this. You, you will not yield. And yet this is what God has commanded you to do. And yet your heart says, I will not do that. I do not wish to yield ultimately, God, to you. Well, if we are exhibiting and living out this gentleness of heart, then we, by his grace, see the need to accomplish his work allowing His Spirit and His power and the principles of His Word to direct our heart in the proper kind of meekness, coming underneath them the authorities that we need to so that we might accomplish His work. Every principle of the Word of God requires a gentle spirit to obey. And so you might consider this morning, where is your heart hard? We call it hardness of heart, but really what it means is it's, it's a refusal to yield. It's a, it's a willfulness of heart. Hardness of heart sounds like, well, I can't do anything about it. It's just rock there. Can't do anything with it. No, it is your stubbornness, your refusal to be gentle, to be meek, to come underneath His Word that is causing the problem. You cannot live in the kingdom that way and experience the blessedness of God. So where is it for you? 
I only mentioned a couple of sins. Which one are you wrestling with? Don't, don't think, since I didn't mention yours, you're like, ah, no problem there. Where are you wrestling? Where is your will fighting back against the will of a holy God? You need to be gentle. So you need to track that down this morning. You need a humble reception of His Word. In order to be properly gentle or to exercise this kind of gentleness in the kingdom, we need sacrificial service. We're not conquerors, we're servants. We didn't come so that people would bow to us. We bend our knee to the Lord and we want them to bend their knee to Him as well. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, to exert His will in that way, to come and and overthrow the Roman Empire that all the nations of the world at that time would come and bend the knee to Him in a political way. That isn't how He came the first time. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Within the kingdom, we do not seek to carve out our territory through forceful arrogance, but we seek to gain ground through tender, compassionate strength. You see, serving people is a whole lot easier, or is a whole lot harder than dominating them. Consider this, young people in your homes, children here this morning. Are you willing to yield not only to your parents, but also to the needs and desires of your brothers and sisters? You would rather conquer them. You'd rather have their territory. I, we fight this battle in our home continually. There's little pieces of territory. Everybody's got one in their room and on their bed and in the car. You know, don't put your hand on my side of the, of the car. Don't put your stuff on my bed. We all have our little kingdoms, our little territories, and we will conquer them. And as we grow older, we only get more skilled at disguising our desire for our own kingdom. But it exists within your home. This is my kingdom. This is my peace. Don't mess with it. This is what I do. It extends its way all the way out into the world. Because you didn't come to rule in that way. You came to serve came to serve in your home and serve in this church and serve in, in, in our world. And that's what a gentle heart longs to do in tender, compassionate strength to come underneath others and serve them. There's also this gentleness results in a reasonable wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. You see, even as we grow in Christ, we can use what we know as a battering ram. We can use our our knowledge and we can use the truth of the Word of God and hammer people into submission rather than a gentleness of wisdom which seeks to, to properly bring the Word of God to bear in their hearts and lives in such a way that they can respond to it or they desire to respond to it. Those verses go on to say, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. You see, gentleness is a humility, which is the opposite of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Gentle wisdom does not act from a desire to promote oneself or to gain an advantage over another by, by demonstrating your, your superiority. Instead, there's a willingness to be reasoned with a willingness to, to, to be able to have your own mind changed even as you consider what would be the best course, what would be most wise in the kingdom of God. James 3.17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. How gentle is your wisdom this morning? Are you able to bring the truth of the Word of God to bear in this pure, peaceable Gentle and reasonable. That word reasonable is fascinating. It means willing to be reasoned with. It doesn't mean using your reason to conquer others. We tend to view it that way. Reasonable. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to come underneath you if I can. 
I want to determine how it is that I might be wrong because my heart is gentle towards you. It desires to be changed. It desires to look more like Jesus. A reasonable wisdom, gracious words. This kind of gentleness brings us to a place where our words are properly forceful, always carefully considered through the principles of Scripture to bring the best possible result in others. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So the proper response, not, a, not the kind, not, sometimes again, this, this gentle answer that turns away wrath is viewed as kind of like, we well, never just say anything, you just kind of you know, bow your head and walk away. No, it's, it's a proper godly response that's not driven by anger, not driven by, driven by frustration, not driven by pride. When you respond to other people's anger in that way, it gives them every opportunity to do what is right. But verse 2 of Proverbs 15, we often don't read it along with this, but it says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. That's a gentle tongue. That's a tongue that wants you to hear and understand. It doesn't batter you, but wants you to know and does everything possible so that you might hear. It's a gentle tongue, gentle words, gracious words. Well, in this gentleness in the kingdom, there is also a tender correction, a tender correction. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. You see, if you thought that gentleness was wimpiness, that it was overlooking other people's sin and saying, well, I don't want to talk about that. That's going to make them mad. No, we deal with sin in the proper gentle spirit that is longing to see them change with the right amount of force, not hammering them inappropriately, but bringing the right strength to bear. And again, you know how this works to some degree with your children, don't you? If you have more than one, then obviously the second one is different. And so when you address them in discipline or address their sin, some is just a word. You need to stop. Remember what we said? And they wilt some. I wish that happened more often in all. But, but then, then there's the other way you say, um, you know, would you just stop that? And they're like, is there somebody speaking? Is there someone else in this room along with me? And it's no, stop. That's not right. You can't. And it's a much more forceful approach. It should still be gentle. A spirit of gentleness is what pervades that. Otherwise, it's sinful anger, which I have experienced more than I would care to admit. I call it gentleness sometimes, and it isn't at all. And even sometimes when I have the quiet voice, it doesn't mean it's necessarily gentle. It doesn't mean I'm driven by a longing for them to overcome their sin. That's just my way of getting what I, what I want from them. But you guys, it works the same way in the church. A tender correction is happening in the spirit of gentleness. 2 Timothy 2.25 says the same thing. With gentleness correcting those in opposition. That sounds like an oxymoron. How can you gently confront or, or, or oppose those who are coming against you? Well, the proper spirit enables you to stand up in the right way so that you give them the best opportunity to stop opposing you. This was Moses. Numbers 12, 3 says, Moses, Now Moses, the man, was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses did. The Lord gave him the grace to say that. The man Moses was very humble. I don't think I'm going to write in my autobiography. The man Chris was very humble, more humble than any man on the face of the earth. I don't think I'm going to do that. Moses could because he actually was. And you might remember that even when he was constantly opposed by Miriam by others. Now, he, he, had, he had times where, where he wrestled and struggled. But the bottom line was all of that was related around his, his desire to please the Lord. And even when Miriam, his own sister, kind of tried to act against him and God says, I'm going to judge her, God cried, Moses cried out and said, oh, Lord, heal her. Remember, he struck her with leprosy. 
And the meekness of his spirit said, I don't want her to suffer and have to pay for that, as it were. Well, this proper kingdom gentleness leads to a considerate evangelism, a considerate evangelism. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. As we have enough, we have had enough of those who arrogantly go out, even in the proclamation of the gospel, and make fun of unbelievers. And they laugh at them. This often happens in the creation-evolution debate where you get these guys that get up there and they say, yeah, evolution's idiotic. It's, 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 it's unbelievably foolish. And then they make all kinds of jokes and, and, and arrogantly oppose it. What is that? I mean, that is not gentleness and reverence. Do I believe evolution needs to be given any kind of credence as, as, as any kind of proper scientific or, or any other kind of theory? No, I don't. But you, it's, not, it's not by foolishly and arrogantly making fun of those things. Put those people away. Be done with them. You don't need to hear them. You need to properly, graciously, kindly bring the truth to bear. We don't assault or make inappropriately make fun of those who don't believe as we do and who don't know Christ. That's not going to get the job done. Forcefulness is fine. Jesus was very forceful at times. Arrogant mockery, not fine. Foolish jesting, unacceptable. With gentleness and reverence, we bring the truth to bear. Gentleness, the proper amount of force brought. No mocking tone. Can you imagine that being directed back to you? And that not that what we can't stand about the world when they mock Christianity? Great, so they're mocking us. So let's do that in return. Foolishness, sinfulness, not proper gentleness. That's not how the kingdom is advanced. You arrogant sarcasm or any of those things. We give an account for the hope that is in us with gentleness and reverence. Well, this leader, this, this gentleness provides a patient tolerance. Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to gently try to, to work in your life, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bear with the sin that continues to come out. I'm going to gently tolerate you with the proper kind of tolerance, seeking to bring the Word of God to bear in your life. And then this kind of gentleness within the kingdom of God provides a caring leadership. One of the characteristics of an elder in 1 Timothy 3.3 says, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.7, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. One of the qualifications of elders is that they're able to deal gently with their flock, not being harsh taskmasters, but gentle shepherds. And remember, proper amount of force. There are times when things need to be strongly dealt with, but always with this spirit, this kingdom spirit of gentleness, that there might be the blessedness of the kingdom which results. Now, what are the results of this greatness? What are the results? Well, back in Matthew 5, blessed are the gentle, for they shall what? Inherit the earth. See, our view is if I don't fight for it, I don't get anything. The scriptural view of it is, unless you are gentle, you don't get anything. Unless you lay aside your own inappropriate, sinful forcefulness, you will accomplish nothing. You will inherit nothing. Because the promise here, this is an assured inheritance. They shall inherit. It's future tense, yes. It looks to the coming of Christ and establishing His earthly kingdom and then on into the eternal state, all that we will inherit as a result of being within His kingdom. And it is absolutely assured for the gentle. That gentleness being a representation of the fact that you were even in the kingdom and you will inherit 
all of the blessings, which are really bound up in what it, when he says, you will inherit the earth. 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This word inherit and inheritance is most often used in Scripture to talk about the receiving of, the benefits of salvation and the eternal life which results. So you will receive, as you are gentle, there's an assurance of your inheritance. There's a rich inheritance. You receive the earth. You inherit the earth. That's the sphere of human dwelling and activity, the planet, as it were. And the the picture there, again, is of God coming to establish his kingdom, first as he comes and, and, and sets up his earthly kingdom where we rule and reign with him, we get the earth. That's the sphere of the rule of Christ. And then through all of eternity, that's the reality. The gentle inherit everything, and the forceful inherit nothing. It's a comprehensive inheritance. It includes all the benefits of eternal life in the kingdom of God, all the promises of God we receive as a result of our gentleness, as it were, and then it's an eternal inheritance. Matthew 19, 29, and said, Peter was saying, Lord, what do we get since we've left everything to serve you? He says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. That's the blessing of gentleness, is that you get it all because you gave it all up. Your will, your desires, your pleasures, your, your forceful accomplishing of what you desire, you gave it up in gentleness and you get everything back. So as we consider communion, really this is where we see most clearly what? The God of the gentle entrance, where he comes to die for us. And might you consider his gentleness in light of your life and see whether or not first you're even in the kingdom or whether your forceful will is still being exerted to accomplish the things you want in your own life, or to see whether or not there are areas within the kingdom that you are not experiencing God's blessedness because you are not gentle. So if the men would come for communion, we will transition now to to celebrate the God of the gentle entrance. Thank you for joining us again on Grace Maryville Weekly. These messages are just a small collection of sermons that have been presented at Grace Community Church in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. If you would like to learn more about Grace Community Church, where Pastor Chris serves as an elder and pastor, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that is gracemaryville.org. There, not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries at Grace, but you will also be able to access a full audio archive of messages not only presented by Pastor Chris, but also messages presented to our women's ministry, youth ministry, and college-aged ministries, as well as the Sola and Essentials conferences hosted at Grace. We invite you to visit us online And we hope that you will join us again next time as Pastor Chris continues to exegetically work through the book of Matthew. Until then, remember that Jesus is the King. 
and the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ.